You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. Nancy Fitzgerald of Anchors Away Worldview Ministries is here to join us now, and we are talking about trust. Kelly, this is a big, big issue for a lot mm-hmm. of us, you know, living the Christian life. It, we, we get opposition in the world. We have bad things happen in our lives, and then we say, well, who can we actually trust? Um, where do we put that trust? Well, here to help us figure that out, Nancy Fitzgerald of Anchors Away Worldview Ministries. Good morning, Nancy. Well, good morning, Kelly and Steve. So good to hear your voices. It's great to hear yours. Well, you know, trust, I'm glad that you're doing this question today because, man, I think it is, it's not just a, a big issue for some of us. I think it's a big issue for every single one of us on some level or another. And I was talking to a really good friend, a former pastor's wife, so many years ago. And one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten came from her because she said, you know, you've got to love people, but put your trust solely in God because People can let you down sometimes, so you got to be careful with that, or you can end up really, you know, being bitter, et cetera, et cetera. But we've got to look at at this question: Whom can I trust? Because we we tend to put our trust in all the wrong things, Nancy, and we certainly can't look to the internet. My goodness, I've made that mistake before. You just can't do that, can you? <laughs> oh my goodness, no. And we do, and we look at this generation, and they're they're looking every place but up for help and it is it is tragic and it, but it, it's more than just looking it's this addictive thing uh, that that our cultures across the world have gotten into be it social media the internet youtube television they fuel our anxiety um with impending disaster and quite frankly i mean another earthquake this morning um, mass shootings and floods and viruses and wars and death, you know, uh, have thrown us into a frenzy. And I understand anxiety and, and suicide rates are out of control at this time. We're looking for answers. And, and I think it's pandemic. I think, uh, if, if you talk to people for long, they're, they're, they're just going nuts unless, unless, unless they know, you know, what Scripture said these times were coming. Uh, you know, I choose to put my faith in Christ. I'm not going to let my emotions dictate my life anymore. And I think the question for this is, from where does our hope come? Where does it come? And I think so often for me, I put my trust in those things that man has made to make us feel good rather than in in a God who created us, has a plan, and is with us. I mean, we have two roads. One is narrow and the other is wide. And God is saying, choose the narrow one. Come with me. 
Well, you know, we put our trust in many, many different things. And there's a, a classic, classic example uh, and illustration that comes from, you know, the ship in 1912, Leonardo DiCaprio was seeking out, pri- you know, secure passage. And uh, <laughs> and tragically, it ended in uh, not such a great way because their trust was m- gravely misplaced. Talk about what that was. Yes, and you know, in 1912, the the White Star Company finished building the Titanic, which I think in our day, looking back, it was just a luxury passenger liner that went to the extremes in opulence. You know, it was a masterpiece. It was like the Tower of Babel. It was, it was it was the best of the best that humans could make, really. And it mirrored this, a palace with the finest handcrafted wooden winding stairs and original artwork on the walls in the dining facilities served the finest food and that flowed with all kinds of alcohol. And I mean, it was, uh, from a worldly perspective, it it was heaven for so many people. The cost of building that vessel was $200 million uh, to our standards today. And this is the point that I'm trying to make. The Titanic was built with a safety-first mentality. That's why people wanted to go. Not only was it luxurious, but unlike what is portrayed in the movie, you know, about the vessel, you know, it, it, it lacked nothing, including lifeboats, by the way. There was a plethora of those, too many as they went back to, to check it, but they, they lacked nothing on that, on that boat. This is the thing. The ship's designers built uh, 16 watertight compartments uh, that were going to keep that boat afloat no matter what. And it was, it was, uh, touted to be unsinkable. That was the word they used. But that is from human standards. And it's interesting, on, on April 15, 1912, 2,200 passengers boarded the boat, including the most wealthy of wealthy and immigrants, set sail from Southampton, England, to New York City. Now, <clears throat> it traveled east or west and off the Cape of Newfoundland, it collided with an iceberg and ruptured five of the watertight compartments that quickly filled with water, causing the ship to sink to a depth of 13,000 feet in the Atlantic Ocean. And the number of deaths were 1,500 plus people. And you know, you look back on that and and the horror that that those people went through. But then when things are made of human hands, we all accept the risk that we knowingly assume when we travel. Any mode of transportation built with human hands is simply not airtight. Uh, cars have flaws, planes can crash, trains can derail as we've seen lately. Um, but when God makes a vessel, there are no flaws. There are no risks. 
when Jesus is the captain of a ship, of our ship, of our lives, we will reach our desired end with him if we allow him to lead us where we're going. And, you know, in Scripture, Jesus says in Matthew 7, Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And then we see in Genesis 6, 5 through 9, Uh, You know, the Lord saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth. And every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil, continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. Imagine the sorrow that God felt during this. This is just so hard to read. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the, of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah, scripture says here, was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and here's the key point of, of, of the lesson that we're talking about today. This whole idea, it goes on to say this. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jabbat. And, and, and this is Genesis 6. I, I would encourage you to go back and read it. But for one man who walked with God, God saved God saved the earth. Well, Nancy, how did Noah find favor from the Lord? How, how did that occur? Yeah, well, back in, you know, back in those days, sacrifices were a big thing. And, and as a matter of fact, God even asked people to, to build this or, or, you know, this and that to remember, to remember. But Noah, it, it wasn't what made him favored by God wasn't because he built any great sacrifices or even really was a great leader. Noah gained favor because he walked with him, not ahead of God, which is my tendency. Um, He was righteous because he completely trusted and relied on God for everything. He was obedient. And this is the thing. He had peace in his soul because he knew God was in control. And when God asked him to do things that Noah had absolutely no idea what what this was going to end up doing, he did it. In this case, he asked him to build a boat, an ark. And it's interesting, he didn't consult with the engineers of his days, nor seek opinions from people Uh, who were smarter than him, around him, Noah was content, totally content to receive the directions only from God. And then, of course, he followed them. And and Genesis 6 
this this whole idea, 11 through 15, and now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted uh, their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them in the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you will make it. And then it goes to 622. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Noah, his wife, three sons, plus others who wanted to help the project, built the ark precisely as God instructed them. He was the architect. And it was no small project. It took between 55 and 75 years to build. I know no one that would stick to a project that long. I mean, uh, imagine, imagine a project taking that long. The obedient heart of Noah was evidence because he had never experienced rain until after the, the ark was built. But his lack of understanding did not slow him down. He knew God, and he knew that God was the only one worthy of trust. God is always good, always honest, always trustworthy. And this is what should give us great peace this morning as we wake up to all kinds of news that that is terrifying for us. Because unlike the Titanic, the ark only held Noah, his wife, their sons and wives, a total of nine people, not thousands, just nine. Now, others were invited. This is the thing. But no one wanted to come with them. In a sense, the the ark, that one door in the ark, symbolized, I mean, very, I think, very beautifully, an invitation for salvation to come with no one responding. And the boat was, was not filled with the wealthy or gold or silver but rather every kind of animal on the face of the earth were the passengers. And you can imagine what that sounded like, what that smelled like. But in essence, this is our God. This is our, his plan to save the earth, to save humanity. And when the mission was complete, complete, the ark safely landed on dry ground on Mount Arafat with no deaths reported in that journey. This whole biblical worldview question here about who do we put our trust in? As Christians, we unfortunately do get hurt by other people, but there is one place that we do put our trust in. But, you know, we see right now sort of this this group think mentality in our culture today. Um yeah. And, you know, it is it is much like the culture during Noah's day. Talk a little bit more about this, because, you know, when we are walking with 
God, we have to understand he is in heaven and there's been an invitation given to us. Talk about that for me. Yeah, for sure. And <clears throat> I think we all get distracted. We we get distracted by not only by social media, but, but mo- mostly just in our personal lives. <clears throat> the confusion, the sadness, the illnesses, all this pile up on us. And it's overwhelming. And I think so often we just forget. I was reading um, this week about the importance of of anchoring to something, which is interesting because, of course, <laughs> you know, it's anchors away. We are all about anchors. Our, our, the course that we that we wrote for teens is, is anchors, called Anchors uh, Worldview. But but this whole idea in 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 the in the world we anchor and we anchor in the water and 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 the anchors hold us fast. You know, you can put two or three out in a storm and it'll hold a boat. But eternal anchors don't go down; they have to be anchored in Jesus, the you know the triunity of God, the Father, the Son, and we anchor them in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. And, and in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So our anchors go upward. They are not anchored on earth. And I thought that was such a great metaphor for us to think about. We need to anchor upward because our destination, when we journey with God, our destination is not, you know, in ocean or flying someplace or this and that and the other to get there. Our, our destiny is with God in heaven. And our invitation from God is to come to him and trust him for our salvation. Believe that he died for our sins. And like, like in the days of Noah, God's not looking for us to build a monument of our own lives or ourselves or anything else. He's looking for us to admit that we're sinners and we need a Savior. And when he, we rely completely on him, as did Noah, through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, God will and does guide us through these hard times. It just is our the one thing that we have to hold on to. This is why in Scripture God says, narrow is the way that leads to life. Choosing Christ and his, you know, everybody's trying to shout over God on their latest fixes and you know, you can do this and that and take this and that. But God is so pure and he's not going to force himself on you. And Isaiah 12, 2, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, uh, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. And in Psalm 56, 3 and 4, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And that's Psalm 56. So uh, it, it, there it is. There it is. And ironically, you know, in God I trust is a $100 bill. So it will just, again, show you how the world will, will twist and try to shout over God, you know. But, but in this, in all things, in all things, including how we spend money and how we live and, and how we love others, you know, in God I trust. And this is, this is just 
it seems so simple. It is profound truth that we can trust him with those things, as did Noah, that we have never experienced. Yeah. And it is our hope. He is our hope. You know, the things of this world, I mean, we cannot put our trust into regardless of what that is. Uh, But we certainly know that in other people, there will always be failings. But in the Lord, we are stayed and we must remain steadfast in that. And this is a great, great reminder, Nancy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's helped me uh, see a bigger picture. And I would encourage anybody to go back and really understand <clears throat> that God has called us to walk with him, not run, mm-hmm. not sprint, just walk. And I tend to be the one in head of kind of pushing God along. Come on. You know, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. really? Uh, uh, so it, it's, a, it's a great reminder. But it, it, it is so encouraging to know uh, that God is so faithful. And he will be with us. And that is the one anchor, the only anchor that we need is in him. And thank God he had didn't, didn't, did not give up on us and that we all have hope. And the invitations to all of us to walk with him. It's just there. Listen, we would love to get all of you connected with Nancy and her biblical worldview ministry, Anchors Away. You can find her online at anchorsaway.org. Go there to learn more about the ministry, to learn more about biblical worldview, how you could become a certified teacher of biblical worldview, and especially how to get uh, your high school student, your early college age student, curly, let me try that again, early college age student involved uh, in learning about biblical worldview because they are are going to, especially your your high school student is going to age out of their youth group, and they're going to go away to college, and you don't want them falling away from their faith. You want them to learn to understand God's Word, to be able to stand firmly on it, and when they are challenged, and they will be when they're in college, they'll be challenged by the culture. They need to learn how to stand firmly on their faith, and that is what Anchors Away is all about. So give it a look, anchorsaway.org. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the Word to Life.